0: Amen. Well, as we begin today, we're going to kind of jump back uh, into a series that we uh, were in uh, kind of at the early part of the summer, late spring. You know, we have two seasons here, uh, February and summer. And so we're somewhere in that summertime. We were were, uh, working through this, Not Your TV Dad, Jesus Knows Best. And it's really about the commands of Jesus. And so we're going to take the next few weeks uh, to look at uh, some commands of Jesus. And then we're going to switch gears again in September as we look into the fall and eventually move into the book of Philippians uh, throughout most of the fall. And so I'm excited about that. And I want to tell you, you know, oftentimes when we have the the Lord's Supper, we received the Lord's Supper last weekend. And whenever we do that, we take a benevolence offering. And uh, most of the time we don't share what that is. But uh, just so you know, typically uh, we get around $1,000 every time we do that. And last week we got around $1,300, which was great. Uh, just your generosity in the moment to do that. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, several weeks ago, I mentioned that it would be wonderful if we averaged about $30,000 a week uh, for the next six weeks where this is now our third week. And uh, the previous two weeks, uh, you're above average. So good job. Uh, let's, let's finish our budget year strong. Tonight you can come and hear all about next year's budget at four uh, o'clock. And that'll be exciting. And Uh, Students, welcome back from the tubing trip. I know you had a grand time uh, there. It was a lot of fun welcoming our 6th graders who are now 7th graders and uh, kind of launching uh, our seniors out. Uh, Well, today we're going to look in the book of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew 22, a pretty familiar passage probably. If you've been in church for a while, uh, you know this passage. Uh, But as we look at this passage and we think about uh, this maybe all-important command of Jesus, uh, I wonder, have you ever been in a situation where you've answered a question that someone asked you and they were shocked at your answer? They, they couldn't believe what you said in response. Now, that could be like a shock that you were that smart. Uh, could be a shock that you didn't say the appropriate thing. You said something inappropriate. Uh, could be shocked that, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, or maybe you've asked a question and someone responded to you and you're like, whoa, okay. Well, that's how you think. That's the situation we've got here today with Jesus. Uh, this, there's a group of people called the Pharisees who are asking lots of questions of Jesus. There's another group called the Sadducees. These are two religious groups that are in reality rivals for one another. But they're the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so they are asking Jesus a lot of questions because they're not a big fan of Jesus. And so they're hoping to find some way to trip him up, to, to get him to say the wrong thing so that they have an opportunity to pounce uh, on him and get him out of the way so they can continue the status quo uh, of their lives. Uh, sometimes we're like that too, right? We want the status quo just to be the same. And so let's remove anything that's going to upset the equilibrium. And so they ask him, perhaps the most important question ever, what's the most important thing I should do in life? What should be the primary focus of my life? That's a pretty big question and it's an important question. And though these guys asked it with ill intent, it's a question that all of us should be asking of ourselves. What's the most important thing that I should be doing? What should I do above all else? Well, Jesus answers that for us and for these Pharisees today. Look in Matthew 22, and we're going to begin in verse 34 and read through verse 40. So Matthew 22, verse 34 says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, again, these are two rival groups. The Pharisees were probably happy that he had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together, they being the Pharisees, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? It's a it's a big question. It's an important question because these Pharisees had gotten to Jesus at this point in Matthew 22 after the Sadducees and the Pharisees had already asked him a bunch of questions previously in this chapter. So in the days, hours before this, there had already been a bunch of Q&As. We're going to have one tonight, some Q's and A's. So there's lots of questions, and Jesus provided lots of answers, and most of the time when Jesus answered the question, those religious leaders had no response. He sort of put them in their place with his answers. They had just asked him about paying taxes, something I know all of us as adults love. We just love to pay taxes. And they said, so let's see, Jesus, uh, do, should we pay Caesar taxes and Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He gave him this unique answer that silenced them, the scripture says. The root word of that means to be muzzled. You ever have a dog where have to put a muzzle on the dog? It's misery for them, right? That, that's what he did. He, he shut them up. So they had no response. He, and I'm sure they were frustrated and angry. And so the Pharisees get to witness all this because they've asked their own series of questions and Jesus has the perfect answer every time. And so with all of that said, here we are now in chapter 22 at the end. It's like, okay, what's next? So have you ever had a moment where you're not doing so well at something? You're failing? Maybe you're you're failing at a home project. You had grand ambitions to remodel the bathroom yourself. And you get about two-thirds of the way through and everyone who comes over just doesn't say anything. <laughs> they don't compliment your progress. They don't tell you how wonderful the cement looks. You know you've failed, and so you got to kind of regroup. Or maybe... Uh, students in school starting, I know that's a bad word right now, but there's a test you took and you didn't do so great. And so it's time to regroup. How many weeks do I have left to bring this grade up? And the prayer is that the answer is more than one, more than one week. To bring the grade up, that's the hope. You you regroup, or maybe you're in the middle of a game, or that's an athletic game or a board game, and and you're getting defeated. And so you kind t- of take a step back and like, okay, I got to reevaluate. The United States women's team didn't do a great job of that, I guess, this morning. And and, and so you want to regroup and and reconvene, or maybe you've had a parenting moment, moms and dads, and you failed in your parenting moment. Well, let's don't do that again. And so you reevaluate, you take a step back. Well, that's what these Pharisees are doing. All throughout this sort of ongoing dialogue with Jesus, every time they have an encounter with Jesus, they don't do very well. They they fail. Jesus has the perfect answer for them, and they have no response. And so here we are again. They are trying to trap him. And so they've regrouped, they've paid attention Okay, we've got it. We're going to ask him what the greatest commandment is because there are 613 commandments. The the rabbis had scoured the Old Testament law and they had determined there were 613 laws, 365 negative laws like don'ts, and 248, and all you math majors, make sure I'm right, 248 that were positives, do So 365 don'ts, 248 do's. So which one of these is first, greatest? Not not in order, but in prominence. Which one is the most valuable? Which one is the one that if all the rest of them went away, this is the one we better pay attention to? We've got to get this one right. And so they spent their lives prioritizing these things 613 commandments, which law matters more? It it was a big question, a big question for Jesus. Which of these commandments matters more? Is do not murder more important than do not wear clothes made from two different kinds of cloth? Which of those is more important? Because those are both commands. Do not murder and don't wear garments made of two different kinds of clothes. So no polyester and cotton together, please, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> don't do that. So which is more important? We might say, do not murder is slightly more important than wearing a dry fit shirt and cotton shorts. We might say that. We might say that. Maybe not, but maybe. And so that's the goal here. Like which of these is greater? Because they wanted to test Jesus. And the word test actually has an implication with it. They had ill intent. The goal wasn't just to test him. Just wasn't to see if he would answer the question. But The goal was to trap him and to destroy him. They had malice in their heart. They had evil in their heart when they came to this question. I wonder how often when we go to others in an attempt to learn, to know, do we have the same thing? The goal for us is ill intent. We ask questions only so that it can benefit us. Only so that we can have the advantage. Only to prove our point rather than to actually learn and grow and understand. I think it's one of the greatest problems of our society is that we We go into conversation to test rather than to learn. And Jesus, in his response to these lawyers, helps them understand that sometimes we're asking the wrong question. Because these guys knew that of 613 commandments, no matter which one you picked, there would be some debate. Now, we're probably okay with the murder and the clothing. Like, those are probably different. They're all important, but some seem to matter more. And so, no matter what Jesus would say, there would be some debate. And that's what they were hoping for, was debate. So that they could somehow catch Jesus in a, in a wrong idea. Like, looking for every loophole possible to destroy him, to undermine him. It's no different than we have today. We, we ask these big questions that have debate like, who's the greatest basketball player ever? You, you have some generational differences in who, what we believe on that. There's some debate there. There's some debate on what color is a mirror. Just think about that for a moment. What color is a mirror? Write that one down for later. You study it. Pay attention. There's some debate there. This is my favorite. If you enjoy wasting time, is that really time wasted? <laughs> you got you got to have some intelligence to think about this one, okay? If you enjoy wasting time, is it really time wasted? You can discuss that at lunch today. <laughs> Students. Parents. So these are the kinds of questions as you, as you think about what Jesus is being asked, these are the kinds of questions. Something like, how can I believe you're not lying to me? How can I believe you're not lying? Is there an answer to that question? Maybe. This is... This is the only one that has an answer. Why are there interstates, why are there interstate highways in Hawaii? (laughs) These are questions that matter. It's a question that mattered. If you don't believe me, look it up. There are interstate highways in Hawaii, H1, H2, and H3. So the answer to that question is actually because these roads were built to a certain standard, the interstate highway standard, like they are in the main, on the mainland. It's not because they're jumping the ocean. It's the only one of those questions that has a real good answer. But but sometimes there's debate and, and, and there's struggle and, and The Pharisees wanted Jesus to answer so that they could then debate him and trap him. You and I do the same thing with our family and friends. We ask questions in a certain way in order to bend the conversation to our will and and they miss the whole point. They, They miss the whole point of the law. They miss the whole point of God giving the law. They missed the whole point of, of why Jesus was there in the first place. They, they had missed it. that They got caught up in the minutia. They got caught up in the do's and the don'ts. But what they failed to realize is that no matter how many commandments there are, it was never about do's and don'ts. It was never about that. It was always about... A relationship with God and his people. And so Jesus responds to their very important question. And he's telling them and he's telling us that the greatest thing that we can do, that you and I can do, is to love God with all of who we are. That's the greatest thing you can do. Is to love God with all of who you are. That's the greatest commandment. You shall. Some of you remember uh, from September to May, we had a group of people working on a section of our bylaws, and we loved to look at that word, shall. We, we spent a lot of time looking at shall, because shall is you will do it. It's a command, right? The commands of Jesus knows best. You shall, you will. You must, you have to. right If you want to do the greatest thing in the world, love God with all of who you are. All of your heart. we all have this thing beating side of our chest, this muscle that we pumps blood throughout us and gives us life. there's a physical aspect to our heart, of course. but but the heart is the is the the central feature of, of not just our our physical life but but our heart is the the center of our physical our mental our spiritual life it, it's it's really the the core of who we are and we talk about our heart we ask people if they have heart we talk about athletes having a having a heart a strong heart that's not they have a strong physical heart they might but 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 they have A strong, like in their core, that's who they are. The heart is not just our physical. It's the core of who we are. It's the, the center of our will and our emotion. In our heart, we make decision. We decide. I will love you. I don't emote to love you. I I make a decision to do that. That's what our heart does. The emotion follows, but our heart is the the thing that drives us, the decision, the the will. And so I'm going to love you with all of my heart, all of my willpower. I'm going to love you. I'm going to decide today that I'm going to love God and express that love to him no matter how i feel in the moment because some of you had taco bell last night you might not feel great this morning right so some of you had a bad day some of you on tuesday are going to have a rough moment and you're not going to feel terrific and it's in that moment when we love god with all of our heart that means we're deciding to love him I'm making a decision. That's the core of who I am. I love him with all of my heart, all of my soul. I'm always amazed at how pilots, they don't talk about passengers, pilot airplane pilots. They don't talk about passengers. They talk about souls. We have 118 souls. Because there's something more to us than just this physical body that we have. We were created for eternity, and that is our soul, our mind, body, and soul. We were created for eternity. It's our eternal self, it's who we really are beyond just the physical. It says, With all of who you are, I want you to love me. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. I want you with all the intellect I've given you to focus on things above. Paul says it, set your mind on things above. If I'm going to love God with all of who I am, then I better think about God. I better pursue understanding who God is. When when, when I love somebody here on earth, I, I just don't talk to them and whenever I don't see them my thoughts are just gone like oh I haven't seen you um, I love you kids, wife I didn't see you today you know what I didn't think about you once how well would that go over? right it wouldn't go over well at all but it's the same thing what have we set our mind on what, what is our mind focused on what is our intellect focused on Do we want to love God? Then, Then let's set our mind on things above. And in the book of Mark, the word with all your strength is added. And the lawyer, funny enough, declares Jesus correct. Oh, hey, Jesus, you're right. Duh. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Yes. Loving God with all of who we are is the greatest thing that we can do. And so the question that you and I have to ask is, is my energy, is my effort, is it focused on loving God? Now, I love this about Jesus because he says, uh, and by the way, we're not getting to the second part today. So in case you're wondering, we're just going to get to this part. Um, Jesus doesn't say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And here are 12 ways to make that happen. He doesn't do that ever, but that's what we want. So Somehow we want, well, what does it mean? Tell us what it means to love God with all your heart. Can you give me five steps for loving God with all of my heart? Oh, and then, and then uh, what are the 12 principles of loving God with all your soul? And, and what are the six ideas, the six big ideas for loving God with all of your mind? That's what we want we want somebody to tell us what to do, but is that how love works? Does love work with me telling you how to love your spouse or your kids or your parents or your siblings or love your coworkers? Like th- these two are hand in hand. But it's interesting. Well, we there aren't rules to love. That, that's the whole point of the passage. The point of the passage is they're looking for a list of rules that we can put number one so we can either choose to obey or not obey it. That's not how love works. Love isn't a, a set of guidelines and standards and commands and rules. Yes, there are some things that we can learn from the life of Jesus. There are some things that he says, like, oh, maybe do not murder. Yeah, that, that's a good symbol, a signal that you don't love somebody if you murder them. That's probably a good. Good clue. But but let's go beyond that. Because loving God is better than an offering. It's better than a sacrifice. It's better than some activity that you do to bring honor to God. No, just love him with who you are. All of who you are. And so, love God. Put your mind towards him. Put your will and your effort toward Him. Be about who He is with all of yourself. Because too often we just want a list of things that we can do to check boxes off to say, oh, yep, I've done it right. Uh, I'm in God's good graces and I'm okay. But our love for God isn't a list of commands. It's simply an act of our will in response to his love. And not just any love. I, I saw a quote today. There is no conditional love. Love is unconditional. Period. If there's condition on it, it is not love. So God loves you Unconditionally. And so our love for him shouldn't be based on his performance or even our performance. My love for God should not be based on either God's performance or my performance. Because sometimes I perform poorly. And I think, well, I can't love God in this moment because he didn't want to hear from me. He didn't want to pay attention to me. He's not interested in me. He's angry at me. No, what did the song we sing said... Thine own presence, what, will cheer me and guide me. What does God desire to do? To cheer you on, to become more like his son, Jesus Christ, to guide you, to become like Christ. No, his love for you is based on you, that he created you. And our love for him is based on who he is, that God loves you. He created you. He knows your greatest strength. He knows the things you love, like chocolate and movies and swimming pools. Like, we love those things. Home repair, we love it. Things we love, He knows those things we love our kids and our friends. He knows the worst thing about you. He knows the struggles you have. He knows the turmoil and pain that you go through, whether it's today or last week or next week. He knows what brings a smile to your face. He knows the things that make you laugh. He knows the dark secret of your life he created that character trait that habit that quirk that everyone else everyone else in your life loves he did that because he loves you he did that he loves you he died for you he took on your sin so that you could spend eternity with him. He covered your sin with his blood. He loved you to his death so that you could spend eternity with him beyond your own death. That's how much he loves you. And Jesus says the greatest thing that we can do is to love him. to honor him, to bless him. Because he created the capacity. He he created you with the capacity to love him, but you don't have to. That's the beauty of love. You don't don't have to do it. But Jesus says you shall love. If you want to have a relationship with God, then you shall love him. And at this moment when Jesus is saying these few words and lots of white space in between there. When he's saying this in the first century, when everyone was paying attention to how you loved God by following the rules, everyone was paying attention to that. Like, you, you couldn't do certain things if you didn't love God properly by following the rules. You were monitored based on how well in their mind you love God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the pressure that was? To live your life knowing that if you made one small error that someone in your sphere of influence would come and tell you about your failing. That was 20 centuries ago that happened. That how you demonstrated love for God was monitored. Hmm, has anything changed in 20 centuries? No, there's lots of people monitoring you, looking at you, paying attention to you, watching you, seeing how well you love God because you say that you love God. If you say you love God, then people are going to be watching you. To see actually how you live that out. Now they may not care that you wear two different types of cloth. You've got on your garments. You're wearing mixed, mixed threads. They don't care about that. But they do care about how you treat others. They do care about what you've set your mind on. And so Jesus as he's telling these Pharisees this. He's speaking to them. Think, you shall love the Lord your God. The people who are most concerned about following all the rules, maybe this is time for you to let go of some of them and focus on the one thing that really matters. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Love God. And so how do we love? Well, there aren't ten steps to that. There aren't five principles or any of those things. But what we say, how we spend our time, where our dollars go, where our energy goes, how our, how our hearts are tuned how they're turned towards certain things, that that gives us some indication about what we love. The thing that we talk about, that we spend time on, that we pour energy into, we pour our finances into, we, we pour our lives and our relationships into, that probably gives us some clue as to what we love. But Jesus simply says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind that's my prayer for us that our relationship with Jesus wouldn't be a checklist it'll be a relationship built on all of who we are that's my prayer for us will you bow with me As we pray this morning, I want to invite you because I'm confident most of you have heard this passage before. But maybe you're here today and you've never truly experienced God's love. It's hard to love God if you don't even know him. It's hard to love him if you don't have a relationship with him. And so this morning, if you're here and you've never received uh, the gift of God, if you've never established a relationship with him, I want to invite you to do that today. To simply recognize that you were created by God to love him but somehow that was broken And it was broken because of your sin and my sin all of us have sinned we've disobeyed these commands that these Pharisees were so worried about there was no way to correct that you couldn't be perfect but God made a way because he loved you He made a way through Jesus. And so he sent Jesus Christ to this earth to live a perfect life and to ultimately down a cross to pay the penalty of your sin, to, to cover that sin so that you could have a relationship with God, so that you could experience the love of God and you could love him back. And so this morning, if you've never received that gift, I want to invite you to, to simply say this to the Lord. Just call out to him and say, Lord, I know that I'm not perfect. There's no way I could follow all the laws. I don't even know those laws. But I know that I'm a sinner. And so today, by faith, I accept Jesus Christ as my savior, the one to forgive me of sin and to give me a relationship with you. God, I wanna love you for the rest of my life. And so thank you for making a way for me to love you back. If that was your prayer this morning, there'll be a few of us down front I want to tell you the greatest excitement that we can have as a church is for you to stand up and come and say, you know what, today I prayed that so that I could experience the love of God. We'll rejoice with you. All of heaven will rejoice. We want you to know that we're with you as a church family. We want to see you grow in your love for God. And so we want to help you do that. So take a bold step this morning. We stand and sing. And for those of you here that that you know what it means to love God because you have a relationship with him. Perhaps you've not quite set your mind on things above. Perhaps this is a season when you need to regroup because that love relationship is a little strained. Maybe it's distant. or maybe today, that for the first time in a few years, you're experiencing what it means to enjoy the love of God. I'm going to invite you to come and praise him and thank him for his goodness to you. And so, Lord, whatever is going on today, you know the hearts and the minds of everyone here. And so we ask that that our worship would be acceptable to you, that we would respond out of your great love. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. As we worship, I invite you to respond.